white people started colonizing the world about 500 years ago. And this led to a lot of conflict and tragedy for the people living in the places white people colonized. That started 500 years ago. And 500 years is a long time, and our values have shifted a little bit since then. Today, genocide is generally frowned upon. And so, accepting that your ancestors are guilty of genocide is something that some people have had and are still having a hard time coming to terms with. They think it reflects on them. Maybe because what their ancestors did back then did benefit them specifically. Because of the way society is set up. So, how do white people specifically white Americans, tackle this difficult topic of what their predecessors done to others? Well, they make a movie about it. And another movie, and another movie. And the hero of all these movies would not be a Native American, but a white person going Native. There's an entire film genre here which we will be talking about in this episode. As usual, we will focus on three films. First, Dances with Wolves, with and by Kevin Costner, from 1990, where an American soldier joins a Native American tribe. Then we'll go to Avatar, from 2009, by James Cameron, where an American soldier joins a native jungle tribe in the planet of Pandora. And our final film will be Dune from 2021, starring Timothy Chalamet, a very capable soldier who joins a desert tribe in Dune. And in all three of these movies, the white person fights with his adoptive tribe against other white people. The white people are the enemy. So there's a lot to unpack here, and it's going to be a lot of fun to do so. So let's get going. I love the smell of my pump in the morning. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Hello, and welcome to As Depicted on Film. Hi everybody, hello Rutger Voss. Hello Gil Kitron. Hey man, how are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. We're doing something uh, near and dear to my heart, which is uh, the Western perspective. Um, and, uh, That's it, Western and perspective. Hi- and hypocrisy. <laughs> so. Your own or uh, other d- people's? Sure, I mean, I, I tried just... Like here, so you know, as depicted on film, the following, right? What if I actually was not guilty of the bad thing that happened to my benefit? Because I just imagine myself on the other side and stopping the bad thing. You weren't responsible for the bad things that your group did because you imagined that you would do it differently. You wouldn't work with your group to kill all those people. 
Exactly. I would be on the other side and, and actually help the other side to stop the bad thing. That would, it feels great. Yeah. The other side, I guess, do not really have agency, not as much as I have. Yeah. So if I could just be them, that would make it all good. Yes, you will fix them also. I'll, I'll fix them. I'll yes. fix the situation. We can yes. all feel better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so first of all, I love this perspective. And I'm really happy that it leaves me the room to, you know, not play devil's advocate because I won't, but just like, you know, run a little bit of defense, some apologetics for this Western perspective. But just, you know, I'm going to make it make sense. Okay. Yeah. I think that... If you are, let's say, a Westerner mm-hmm. and you want to tell a story about Westerners, but also includes other people that are not Westerners, mm-hmm. as a storytelling device, the, the best way to do it is to have someone like you representing the audience embedded in that other culture. And then you learn about that culture as that character learns and then mm-hmm. of course you want that character to be success- successful and do great things because you know that's the character that you follow and empathize with yeah i think that it's a necessary and positive first step to understand the other you put yourself in their shoes literally mm-hmm. so i don't have like an inherent problem with that as a storytelling mechanism it's the baggage that is a problem Okay, but so you were running defense, then I am going to run a bit more offense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because, okay, that seems like as a storytelling device, I get it, but actually it's kind of obscene. Like, okay, here's like right away horrific example. Have you seen the film The Boy with the Striped Pajamas? Is that Joseph? No, it's 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 a Holocaust film. Ah. And, but, but I guess then, it's a reference, no? Yeah, no. It, because it's, it's in Hebrew, it's a striped. It's not a multicolored. Whatever, okay. Yeah, this is like the camp uniforms. Uh, and then the story is uh, actually the son of the camp commander accidentally finds himself on the other side of the fence and is also murdered. Uh, and so then, okay, you cannot actually picture apparently that the Holocaust is bad. Unless it also happens to a German boy that, oh, wait, it's actually maybe not good. Okay, so (laughs) what I will say to this is Jews are different. Stop. Uh, (laughs) No, no, no. Seriously, what I'm saying is that I'm, I'm not sure it's such a bad thing to make a movie about how fascism will also hurt you and not just the other people. And also... I don't think it's very hard to find, you know, Jews in the filmmaking industry that are able to tell the story of Jews in a way that a general audience can connect. But since there aren't a lot of Native Americans uh, making uh, movies and shows and writing mm-hmm. stories for a general global audience, mm-hmm. it's it's starting to change now. You know, now they they're being accepted into into the club, but that's. A political problem. It's not a storytelling problem. Just like the Americans do, and not just the Americans, Anglo-Saxons do for everything. They take other people's stories and they then project their own values and their own world into them and then send them all the way back to the world, out to the world, and then we see 
Native Americans and Polynesians and Romans and everybody through Anglo-Saxon eyes. I think the problem is not the storytelling mechanism. The problem is the real world. (laughs) Real racism, real oppression, real disenfranchisement. I'm not contradicting everything that that you said. Yeah, no, no, no. we did enjoy Apocalypto. So as a storytelling device, it's not absolutely necessary. But Apocalypto was amazing exactly for that. You're absolutely right. That's a different level. This is why Apocalypto is better than Dances with Wolves. Mm-hmm. Just by orders of magnitude. Because it was able to immerse you in that story. How many stories like that do you see? Not movies like that? Not a lot, yeah. not a lot of them. Yeah, and, and even if it is made by a rabid anti-Semite. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you see. Like to close all the, you know, all the loose ends. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I guess that takes yeah. us to our first film. <laughs> yeah. So our films for today, for this episode, are Dances with Wolves, 1990, Avatar, 2009, and June, 2021. And we're starting with... Dances with Wolves. Why are we starting with Dances with Wolves? I guess the one to start off with, because it's the one of about the thing that has actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the one that has taken a really long time to actually realize that it might have been a bad thing. <laughs> I thought you said it took a really, really long time to finish the movie. Four hours, oh my goodness. But also, for yeah, everything for took later. a long time. Also, the Manifest Destiny took a long time. Uh, murdering all the natives. Uh, well, n- n- not all of them. I'm, I apologize. There are still many yeah. Native Americans. But anyway. They tried to be thorough. Yes. Yeah, they were nearly there. And uh, yeah. And just because also with filmmaking, first there was like 100 years of filmmaking where it was all fine. And 1990 was basically the first time where it was kind of like, okay, now we have to picture the hero of that time, Kevin Costner, going native to the other side to kind of understand, oh, wait, there are people too. It was actually kind of messed up what happened. In some ways, I think that this movie is radical. But all of these movies, I think, in some ways are extremely radical and subversive, but we'll talk about that later. So we'll start with Dances with Wolves. An American uh, Civil War soldier who mm-hmm. wants to become a Native American and he starts to live uh, to live with them and you know fight with them, eat with them, yeah, and just be one of their own, fully accepted. Yeah. Tonka. 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 Buffalo. Oh. Buffalo. Tatanka. Buffalo. The fierce one, as I call him, seems a very tough fellow. I hope I never have to fight him. From the little I know, he seems to be honest and very direct. I like the quiet one immensely. He's been patient and inquisitive. He seems eager to communicate. I would conclude that he is a man of some weight among his people. Buffalo. The next one is Avatar. Okay, so now we're in space, and there are space natives uh, who are blue. So but other than that, they're very Native American. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's, it's still the guilt over colonialism and over subjugating less technologically advanced people for profit. And also the Iraq War also. 
exactly. This is the around the time of the Iraq War. It's not oil; it's unobtainium, but same idea, yeah. basically. Um, and then now they have technology to help you go uh, native because you kind of plug into a system that makes you brain link with a body of a genetically engineered blue man who then goes and lives with the natives. And, of course, then the, the guy who does that, who is uh, played by Sam Worthington, is even better at being a space native than the space natives. <laughs> and yeah, he wins the weird. day for them. That's something that it's a, a, a plot hole, because not only was he not raised uh, in that way, but he's also in the real world, he's, you know, disabled. <laughs> and mm -hmm. he has to go through a, a machine to be that person, and still he's better than them. Yeah. Huh? He had a twin brother, and they had engineered the sister for his twin brother, And then the brother died, and then he was, okay, now we have to go with this guy. So he wasn't even first choice. <laughs> not, it's, it's not a good setup. No, not for us, for James Cameron. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he didn't set it up well. Okay, so there he goes, and he saves them against the Americans. So the Americans yeah. are super, super evil in the dances with wolves. Mm -hmm. Super, super evil in Avatar. Yeah. Okay. We have an indigenous population called the Navi. They are very hard to kill. This is why we're here. Because this little gray rock sells for 20 million a kilo. Their village happens to be resting on the richest deposit and they need to relocate. Those savages are threatening our whole operation. We're on the brink of war and you're supposed to be finding a diplomatic solution. And then finally, Dune, and actually for June. today's uh, June, For today's topic, it doesn't really matter which one we pick, but let's go with the 2021 uh, version. Of course. Um, Amazing movie. Yeah. At first you think, oh, it's the same thing, um, but not quite. So this is June, and again, there's like, space colonialism, uh, and there's uh, a dude who goes uh, deep undercover with the other side and then leads them in rebellion, And so at some superficial level, that's a rerun of the same motif. For four weeks, I live with the Fremen, hidden in the desert in a community called the Siege. Stilgar, the leader of that Siege, has come with me to meet you, sire. The Siege? How was it hidden? It's underground. Arrakis is filled with caverns. How big was the place? I'd say 10,000 people. And there are hundreds of Sieges. Millions of Fremen. But actually, in the wider universe, it's, uh, there's a lot more to it because actually there it's more self-conscious about this particular this psychology and about the danger and charismatic leaders. And, you know, it actually follows up on, on the shallow uh, savior kind of uh, psychology. Uh, there's something happening to me. There's something awakening in my mind. I can't control it. What did you see? <gasps> There's a crusade coming. <laughs> Do you often dream things that happen just as you dreamed them? Yes. And I think he doesn't idealize the, the natives there as much as, as, as uh, in the first two movies, and then it makes them more human. Yeah. 
And I don't want, you know, all the characters that are, you know, are from my culture to be just like super nice and great. <laughs> no, this is one, no, this is, it's, you know, it's like telling a, a Jewish person, oh, you're good with money. You know, I don't even want the good things. Just like humanize yeah. Yeah. us, okay? Just like look at us as normal yeah. people. And in the other two, it's, it's not even just like, oh, everybody is very virtuous, but everybody's noble savage. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the recurring theme is white people joining the natives to fight the white people from which yeah. they came. Yeah. Okay, so let's start with Dances with Wolves. That's set during the American Civil War, so the 1860s, which means that the Native Americans have already been decimated and Americans being in America, that's a fact. And they're going west. Just hear that you've been decorated, and they sent you here to be posted? Actually, sir, I'm here at my own request. Why? I've always wanted to see the frontier. Do you want to see the frontier? Yes, sir. Before it's gone. There ain't nothing here, Lieutenant. Everybody's run off or got killed. What about Indians? If you write it like this, a story like this, then you basically expect failure of imagination on the part of the readers or the viewers so you have to project the viewer into the story otherwise apparently it, I think you have to yeah. you, I, I don't know how you can tell the story to a wider audience at a time when you know the story of the natives has you know up to up to that time native americans have been portrayed worse than in dances uh, very much books, so right yeah. Not noble savages, horrible yes. savages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now that's a, you know a noble savage, and if you want, if you want to get uh, into the meat of it, I think in Dances with the Wolves, that movie would not be made today because it would be too woke. Well, I I guess it would be nice to have like a a, a, f- a follow up with the native perspective, and maybe you know not Dances with Wolves, but runs with scissors or whatever and it's just the perspective of the natives who live there on the plains and then this hopeless moron shows up who they have to help and if they don't the army comes so they gotta be a little nice with him but he's just like okay worst person in the world idiot (laughs) showing up in his hut there what the fuck and we have to be nice because otherwise we're doomed. So let's bring him some food and, you know, help him with the hut or whatever. Actually, that would be very interesting. Yeah. To see. If it was like, uh, if the movie was made like from two perspectives, you would see once from his perspective and then the second time from uh, their perspective. Yeah. yeah. But that's just like two Jedi for 1990. And then let, let's pretend that we accept him in the tribe. That might be good for us. Yes, yes, now you're part of us. We'll give you an Indian name, quote unquote. Yes. <laughs> okay. Hey, oh, we have a white woman here yeah, for you. Exactly. <laughs> so this I liked if we, if we stroll right in. I like the fact that it doesn't marry a Native American woman. Yeah. I liked it. I thought, so he found someone like him, but that has already gone through the process of really being Native. Yeah. Is that good or bad? I mean, it's... I think it's good because, you know, their cultures are so different. What he, so he becomes also like a Native American lover boy now. Ah, that's too much. Hmm. And also, you know, taking their women. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
Yeah, it's funny you should say that because in the next film. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. But uh, we're still we're still there. So uh, this is basically like the definition of going native. Yeah. Like Kevin Costner himself, the director and the lead actor, he it's as if he himself wants to play big Indian. You know, yeah. that's how it feels. Yeah. Going native for good, though. Like, there's also other, like, in uh, Heart of Darkness slash Apocalypse Now, Kurt goes native, but not for good. <laughs> but here it's like, it, I, I immerse myself in the other side for good, to help them. <laughs> and the way that the white Americans are depicted there when he's taken away, I remember it as a child watching it in the cinema, the level of evilness is like Nazi evilness. So, so evil. Hey, Spivey, what is that? Looks like he's following us. Hell, I'm gonna shoot him. Damn. Hey, you missed him. Don't shoot, goddammit, it's my shot. Hey, wait, hold on, I see that first. Look at that stupid bastard, he ain't even moving. And I didn't feel that his goodness reflects on white people as their evilness reflects on white people. Like, my takeaway from the movie was like, whoa, these people were crazy at that time. They, uh, you know, behaved really badly. I wasn't, I didn't go away thinking, I don't know, white people are cool. No. <laughs> they've, they've done well. You know, they've been nice to other people, you know. Look oh, at Kevin Costner. films that make that point. Uh, I <laughs> <laughs> so I think today I just I try to imagine all the insane YouTubers and uh, all kinds of conservative influencers who cry about the M&Ms and cry about uh, SpongeBob. If that was a movie with white Americans being so, so, so evil, with only one of them being good and he's basically a native, a native American, they would go ballistic. They would, uh, how do you call it, rate bomb? Oh, like, sure. uh, yeah, yeah. How do you call it? Uh, like to give it like bad ratings, like they did to Lord of the Rings. Uh, one star, one star. This is racist, 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 racist. And Kevin Costner, he's a conservative, you know. <laughs> I wonder how he, what he thinks of his own movie today, hmm. because I think there's something, even though it, it takes the premise of a, you know the perspective of a good, of a good white person. I think there's something subversive in it because you are forced to be against your you know your country's history you are forced it was yeah. incredibly radical for that time yeah yeah, yeah. by the way we hear uh, children in the background so you're not imagining that if you're listening to it yes i closed the window yeah. i closed the window <laughs> so about their culture like the movie ends with like speaking of the native american horse culture that was you know uh, that disappeared mm. Uh, this is interesting because uh, I learned, I don't know, a few years ago, you probably know this since this is also your profession and you know a lot of things, there weren't any horses in the Americas. Yeah. So the horse culture was new. Yeah. So that's kind of cool to... So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, it's, well, so horses actually do come from the Americas, uh, but then had during the Ice Ages when there was a land bridge or even before that, had already spread across the world. And then when humans settled the Americas, they just hunted all the horses to extinction, and then new horses appeared with 
the quote unquote discovery of the America. So the the, the, the horseback culture of so the that's plains. Like 1400, 1400s and 1500s and 1600s CE. Uh, yeah. And in you know in Eurasia we already had horses from you know you know domesticated horses from 3000 BCE. Right. Yeah, so that, so, that, that it was a really a short <laughs> moment of the horse culture on the on the prairies, on the plains. Yeah, so. but it actually it meshed well. You know, they had all these you know vast expanses. Yeah, they you know they were into you know connecting with nature, so it makes sense how they would incorporate it seamlessly into into their culture. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, so the horse culture is just a, it's not like an authentic age old thing. It was just a brief moment, just like maybe, you know, snow scooters might be for the Inuits or something. Right? It's for a bit and then something else comes along. Right. Right. So it was just like I didn't I didn't like the idealization part yeah. uh, in the movie and of that in general. Sure. Yeah. As if it's like eternal, something eternal that has always been so. No. We brought it, we destroyed it. First, the horses were used to hunt the bison very effectively, also with rifles. And then it got even more effective during the middle of the 19th century out of trains with machine guns. And then pretty soon all the bison were gone. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> like yeah, the horses before them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, so here I want to mention a new Native American show from the Native American perspective. Uh -huh. I started watching it uh, with my daughter. I love it. It's called uh, Reservation Dogs. Reservation Dogs. Hmm. It's like a play on Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. It's like a, like a comedy drama, drama comedy about Native American uh, teenagers. And it's just like their regular life. And the way it pokes fun at the idealized uh, noble savage is... A, a lot of fun because like the protagonist he imagines like this native american uh, warrior that talks to him and he's you know a noble savage but he's just like so idiotic and grotesque and he's just like ridiculous <laughs> like to butcher that uh, stigma no he look at him he's an idiot <laughs> are you crazy horse or sitting no 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 i'm not one of those awesome guys no i'm more of your uh I'm more of your unknown warrior. Yeah. You know my name? William Knifeman. <laughs> I was at the Battle of Little Bighorn. That's right. I didn't kill anybody, but I fought bravely. Well, I didn't actually fight. I actually didn't even get into the fight itself. But I came over that hill real rugged like. <laughs> I saw Custer like that. That yellow hair. He was sitting there. Son of the morning star. That guy right there. Fuck, I really hated him. So I went after him. But then the damn horse... Hit a gopher hole. Fucking rolled over and squashed me. I died there. This horse actually. Little shit. And now I'm meant to travel the spirit world. Find lost souls like you. The spirit world. It's cold. My nipples are always hard. I'm always hungry. So this is like the final step, quote-unquote, of the evolution. You can find this show. It's on uh, FX and Disney. Uh, that now we, we are able to be immersed in their perspective 100%. We don't need any white mediator. I, you know, in the episode that I watched, i only seen like white annoying clerks, mm. basically. But it's all, you know, within uh, the Native American community. 
uh, these people don't look, don't get along with these people. People have problems and uh, that are in some ways global, but in some ways unique to their circumstances, which makes it fresh because we're not used to get this perspective. Huh. Yeah, it's a comedy. Huh. Yeah. It's, uh, it has soul. I like it. Huh. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe maybe I'm also just wrong about my point of view and maybe I'm just being too woke about this. And, <laughs> I mean, that's always a danger. Uh, <laughs> you never know what will happen if you get too woke. Exactly. So it's called standpoint epistemology. Like you can, you can never talk for somebody else. It their it's their lived experiences, right? In the terminology yeah. of today, yeah. are like separate of your own. You can't channel, channel them. You, you mustn't try to make a film about another group or try to represent their perspective because you could never. Like that's that's the discourse of the time, and yeah. I, yeah, is I mean, is that really the case? Is it really impossible to like can a straight actor act a gay character or whatever? Right? Yeah. I mean, it's still it's acting, and art is is like it's about imagining things. So you know, yeah, yeah whatever. It's just that sometimes mm. it feels as if some people are losing roles and we ignore that other people are gaining roles. But whatever. Mm. Let's move to the next film. Avatar. I think we could. Yeah, let's do it. Haven't gotten lost in the woods, have you? You forget what team you're playing for? Strong prey on the weak. Nobody does a thing. You got one hour. So, Avatar 2009. um, Space... But then the same thing, <laughs> same thing in space. Uh, so uh, Sam Worthington uh, lands on the planet Pandora. Pandora. Who, it's all it's all really on the nose, right? Wow, super on the nose. It's so weird. <laughs> and why is Pandora so interesting? Because there's a very special, uh, hard to acquire mineral called uh, unobtainium. Wow. Very creative. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> Impossible to get you. Yeah, ex- exactly. I really wish we had that you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, there, but unfortunately, uh, mining the unobtainium is uh, hampered by the Navi, who are um, just the just the best kind of perfect noble savages who. Um, live in harmony with their great tree which with which they can uh, get some sort of telepathic contact to talk to the commune with the ancestors and i mean they're just wonderful people yes and it sounds kind of yeah familiar (laughs) yes and they're just all connected everything is connected it's just perfect harmony everything perfect harmony. everything was perfect until the white people came over. Exactly, yeah. And uh, uh, and the white people have been trying to uh, fight uh, the blue monkeys for some time, and now they're trying to use a new method, namely, what if... So this is kind of then the subversive part, I suppose. What if we could use technology to go deep undercover with the Navi, and then actually the idea is also, well, maybe we can kind of 
like yeah, come to some sort of modus vivendi, right? So for previous efforts, they they also had used to have like a little school where they could then school the Navi, and then you know then you can get kind of like a, a class of native informers who then do your bidding, right? But okay, that didn't really work. So, it's also like the Romans, you know, uh, did sure. like uh, with uh, like the local elites that became Romanized. Sure, exactly. That was the initial plan, but okay, that didn't work so well. Jake, it's real simple. I want you to learn from the inside. I want you to gain their trust. You should not be here. Go back. Well, this is your fault. And uh, then uh, Sam Worthington uh, leads the rebellion and uh, saves them, and he uh, he's the hero, and he gets the girl. And he gets the girl. Yeah. It is so condescending that you have to do, put it in space. <laughs> ah, right. <laughs> right. That is correct. Right, you can't, can't do this in on Earth. That's, nah. <laughs> right. It's like someone at the age of uh, 20 starts to hang out with skaters. Yeah. And then a year later, he's better than all the skaters who have been skating uh, their entire lives. Yeah. And, yeah. and their fathers were also skaters, and their fathers' fathers were skaters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah. <laughs> I think maybe the only way for this movie to have been made and be well received with... But you have scenes there, I think, like, we need to understand this. Like, theaters across America were clapping and cheering when they saw the American ship get destroyed and American soldiers die. Mm. Like, I can't imagine, like, an Israeli movie with the Israeli military <laughs> as the bad guys and everybody cheering. For that, you have to turn... You have to take everything else and make it just like the most simplistic and rah-rah and generic and heroic because otherwise it would just be too hard. You can't swallow that pill. And also it has like criticism, the, 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 the really bad guy there, the military guy, he has three tours in Venezuela or something like that in the future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was before, right? That was 2009. Yeah. And you're like, boom. <laughs> now it hits you, you know, ooh. And now that we know that Americans, no matter if they're, uh, you know, left or right or center or whatever, very, very few people want more wars, like mm -hmm. in Avatar or Iraq or whatever it is. It's as if the movie was this very machine that allows us to see reality from the other side's perspective and... It's so sad. I felt like I was, you know, it's a stupid you know, action movie and all that, but I felt that there was a real emotion when things were going bad at the end. Mm. And the tree, like I, like I could feel the loss. Mm. I think that's an achievement. Roger, transport is going hot. Fire. Firing. <laughs> Bingo. I got you, Mace. No! No! If you are one of us, help us. 
feel it was very, very effective. And it's like, you know, it's like a comedy that takes something very subversive and just coats it with other stuff that you can swallow. Yeah. I think it's absolutely insane to think that Americans were happy watching in a movie their soldiers, their evil soldiers die doing what everybody knows that they actually did in Iraq, in the past, in everywhere. Uh, I mean, I, I was blown away by the movie in real time and like nobody agreed with me that it's uh, subversive, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. It's subversive, but it's really low stakes as well. Like, you wouldn't see this in an Israeli film because the stakes are different already. Like, even American action in Iraq, okay, that's on a whole different continent. Whatever happens there stays there, so already kind of low stakes. And if it's on Pandora in the space future, it, 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 yeah, there's no consequences uh, at all. But I, I in, in, like, when we were... It's not prepping, the same as Israeli, you're right, because we're a tiny kind of country, yeah. and they're an empire, they're everywhere, you're right. It's not but I thought a little bit about... So, could this, like, is part of the sentiment, could that even be there in, in Israel? And I wondered a little bit about Fauda, for example. Like, okay. so, here, so here the idea is like, okay, so like the, the emotion is we're being bad to the Arabs, right? But actually within the Arabs, there's like the terrorists. And of course, those need to be fought. Yeah. And we can actually be even better than the actual Arabs going undercover as Arabs to wow, save the yeah, day. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. That's a pretty similar kind of psychology, isn't it? Right. But you are never happy with uh, the, to see them die. But you are completely correct. And there is, there is actually such a unit. They're called Mista Arvim. It's a combination of... Uh, right. How do you call like the the weapons, uh, like the big weapons that should be banned in America but are not assault? Okay, so assault it's a combination right. of assault and Arab. Yeah. <laughs> Assaulting Arabs. Oh, char- <laughs> that's, charming, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's the name of the unit, and their job is to go to places uh, undercover and act as if they're locals. And, mm-hmm. and most often they go on specialized missions to go there and to start up some trouble and then, boom, get someone, arrest someone, kill someone. Do so- like the, uh, it's kind of disgusting. Like, you know, I don't want to judge the soldiers that are doing that because they're just cogs in the machine. Mm-hmm. But it's just disgusting. Mm. <laughs> the assaulting Arabs unit. This yeah. is like unobtainium. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but see, it's already a lot more problematic than just doing it with blue monkeys in space. It's fine. Yeah. I can't watch Fauda for that reason exactly. Exactly. No, 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 no. Because it's also, the perspective is, there are some good Arabs, there are some bad Arabs, but we are always trying to do the good thing and the smart thing. Mm-hmm. Have you, have you watched uh, Fauda? Sure, yeah. yeah. And I started to notice that shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, no, yeah, no, I don't know. It's, uh, it's problematic. <laughs> Can't watch it. Yeah. I mean, you also start to notice, like you see, and we saw that in other uh, films as well, like you see on the Israeli side, oh, like there's like, oh, they have their families and their personal life and like they're really being humanized. And then the Arab side, not, and uh, right, so it's all this subtle, not subtle, but once you notice it's not subtle, but ways of taking you in. And, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, no, no. no. 
if they were more docile, we yeah. would be so nice and generous with them. Yeah. Just be polite and nice. Just accept the situation and then it's going yeah. to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We're very good bosses. We're yeah. very good bosses. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so the, <laughs> okay, let's see if I have... A, I didn't expect to go into Israel at all, by the way. Oh. Um, but, oh yeah, to your point, so there was a quote, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's, it, it comes up time and time again, that like uh, uh, the other peoples of the world always have to suffer American brutality twice, like first by being just massacred militarily, and then 20 years later, yeah. the Americans come back to make a film about why this war made their soldiers cry. <laughs> 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 this is also very insults to injury, literally. Yes, yes. <laughs> we we have this saying here in Israel: "Yorim v'bochim." You shoot and you cry. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so this so is so exactly so. it. Yeah. It's so hard to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how hard it is to shoot? It's, you know, it's uh, it's taxing. You go yeah. home and then you think about it. Yeah. And then you're sad. And yeah. You cry. Yeah. The person who is being shot, he doesn't go home and uh, cry. He doesn't cry. <laughs> he <laughs> doesn't cry. <laughs> His troubles are over now. <laughs> you see, there are two sides to every story. <laughs> uh, so there was. So I would say maybe I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm gonna stand by it, but I'm just like putting it out there, kind of a hot take. Tell me what you think. Maybe Avatar is the most anti-war movie ever made. And my proof, my evidence that up to now, the Americans, since that movie, have not gone out to any war. Hmm. Only tried a little bit in Libya, and just nobody wanted that either, and then they stopped. Syria, no. Ukraine, no. Hmm. Africa, no. Venezuela, no. No, no, no. So, I, I don't know. Hmm. Maybe tomorrow things will change, but uh, I'm, I'm putting it out there. Putting it out there. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's cause and effect? I guess you might wonder. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, but it did take. make like three billion or something dollars. So a lot of people watched it. <laughs> they did. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. It was. Uh, yeah. The the story that's I don't know maybe considered the most anti-war story ever. The, that's uh, no news uh, on the Western Front. Uh -huh. From the Western Front. From the Western Front. From. Yeah. <clears throat> That one doesn't have the same uh, success <laughs> record as Avatar uh, because they did kind of go out to a war, you know, like uh, 10 years afterwards. So now we're already 14 years in. Americans haven't started a new war. No. Okay. The Nazis did ban the book. They did ban the book. Yeah. Because it wasn't, uh, you know, a superhero no. blue movie in space. Yeah. If it were the exact same story, the exact, but, you know, in space, they would have also banned it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, <yeah. laughs> Probably, as I was thinking about it. Uh, so about the girl. Yeah. For a director to create a fuckable alien, wow, you have to have some issues, mm. I think. No. Like supreme sexualizing the the alien, so you will be able to be attracted to an alien. Yeah, I would. Yeah, of course. Look, you know, <laughs> she looks like uh, 
It's as if like he's put it in a lab and it just like created like the most sexualized being that man would just It's against your will. Yeah. But that part would not have been done in this way in the present because there's the yes. manipulative element of being projected into another body and then seducing her. That's kind of me too, right? Can't do it. Yeah. yeah. And we already saw in a, in, a, in a James Cameron movie that we both loved, The Abyss, mm-hmm. that he has some issues with women, unresolved issues with women. <laughs> James Cameron, yeah. James Cameron. Yeah. Because this is, it's like uh, self-reporting, this, yeah. uh, this whole thing. Ah. So, I, so I talked about the reservation dogs for, like, uh, as the next step in the evolution of uh, that genre. So for this one, the next step in the evolution, I would say Westworld Season 2. There was this one episode. It's one of my favorite episodes of all time in any show. Season 2, Episode 8. I believe there is a door hidden in this place. A door to a new world. And that world may contain everything that we have lost. Including her. The most famous uh, Native American actor also played in uh, Fargo Season 2. Another amazing portrayal of Native Americans and their perspective. The same actor is that in Westworld season two. There's like a whole episode that is like a legend. He lost his uh, wife to the to the abyss, as if it's like the underworld, the Greek underworld. But mm. you know, it's the hangar in the park. So he goes there, and just like everything, he turns his reality into a legend. It's beautiful, just moving. And also, I loved his character in uh, as the murderous Native American in Fargo season two. Amazing, blown away. You know him, do you? Oh, Ed, yeah. Yeah, he's a butcher. I mean, uh... No, uh, no, no. Never seen him before. Butcher, where? All right, see, that's... Now you got me thinking you're up to some shady doings, mister. And, uh... All right. Look, I, I was in Nam. Yeah? Out there they called me Mad Dog, so... You just, you watch your, uh... Do you miss it? What? The country. You know, the wet, the heat, the bugs. Do you miss it? God, no. It's this quiet I can't get used to, this frozen winter. Yeah, well, can't argue with you. Do you work the tunnels? The... Send the Indian, they'd say. Who cares about booby traps? Give Hansi a flashlight and a knife and send him down into the black echo. Moving through the earth like a rat. Killing off Charlie. Taking his ears. Ears? You gotta push your faces down into the dirt so they don't scream and wake the others. Where on God's green earth do you keep the plunger? Is there a problem here, Sonny? Those are like the next steps in the yeah. in the evolution. Yeah. So you want to move to our last uh, installment of today? Let's do it. Let's go to Dune. Dune. How noble are these savages? The Fremen watched me search for them for days. I never saw them. 
Finally, they sent a warrior out to kill me. And I gotta tell you, I've never come so close to dying. There's no finer fighter in the Imperium. They fight like demons. Desert power. Duncan. Well done. Thank you, my lord. Is Dune even their natural environment? Because they also have to have all this technology to be able to, to be able to cope with the circumstances. Mm. It's not as if they evolved there. It's it's just they so kind that's of. That's an interesting point. They feel like they were there first, kind of thing, and they are a bit more in tune with the situation there, with the big sandworms and the yeah. spies and because all that. Because they didn't have enough money to build a city. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and this is, I guess, yeah. just in general, the way that whole universe is a bit more uh, subversive and not, you know, Pandora and Unobtainium and all that stuff. There is much more layered uh, and there's more like ambiguous kind of characters uh, in it, including the savior. Right. So here, you know, the uh, the big hero uh, now played by Timothée Chalamet. Great job. Great job. Uh, who um, I guess also goes native with the Fremen and uh, is going to lead them. I guess we're not quite there yet, yeah. at least in this. Lead them uh, to victory that will destroy the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> like he basically becomes like the. Doesn't he become sort of the emperor of. Uh, yeah, he, he's basically Muhammad. Yeah. The moment that he takes control of, uh, you know, the city, then immediately becomes an emperor. And I think he dies also like Muhammad. I think he dies really soon. And then uh, the other books are about his, uh, you know, Umayyad (laughs) (laughs) successors or something. Uh, What I liked here is that I felt both from the book, but let's focus on the movie. I didn't feel that the Fremen, Fremen were idealized, but it was like more circumstantial. As you said, like... They're, they're human, so they are. They act the way they act just because of the circumstances. Some things we can we think are nice and good, like you know, helping each other out, you know, being a collectivist and uh, egalitarian in that way. So it's it feels like a, this is what how their culture developed. Like any culture, some things are good, some things are bad. We have powerful friends. You help us off-world to Caladan, you will be well rewarded. What wealth can you offer beyond the water in your flesh? Mm. The boy is young. He can learn our ways. He may have sanctuary. But the woman isn't trained. I'm too old to learn Another thing that I liked, uh, if we're you know looking at the genre of going native, it, so in this movie he's not going to lead them because he's better than them. That's also just his circumstance. He didn't choose that just because of the genes that he was given. That's like how you know the backstory worked, mm-hmm. like in world building. And he, basically, he's our vehicle again to learn about this Fremen instead of just like doing a whole book from the perspective of a Fremen that that's a whole other thing right that's a whole 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 other thing so it's just like he's pushed to to do it destiny pushes him to do it and uh, he has let's see what happens in the next movie but he doesn't condescend 
them <laughs> kind of thing on them over them we talked about it the I'm other time don't I don't know. remember <laughs> yeah, I, have I didn't to check I don't know but I left it in the episode <laughs> I really liked it <laughs> it made me laugh the fact that I don't know how to condescend right. uh, uh, um, so he's the result of kind of like a pr- breeding program sort of um, which gives him special abilities and that is a little bit like the deus ex machina that's also in avatar like there's something is necessary mm. to make it credible that they could go mm. uh, native in the way that they do in the story and that's not really in dances right. with wolves i guess right yeah. i mean there's there's maybe psychologically a little bit in that uh, kevin costner's character is um has some revulsion to the uh, American situation because of the Civil War, and so he's psychologically predisposed to head out there uh, to an outpost. Right. And then when he's just out there and there's not constant propaganda of fear, fear and hatred, then he just can get along with people. Could have met uh, another tribe that uh, w- would have been uh, not as nice. There is a tribe there in the movie that are not, uh, not as nice. Actually, we 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 talked about like a a part two of uh, Dances with Wolves. Maybe it should be from the perspective of that other tribe because they have the correct perspective, namely those motherfuckers over there are making common cause with the Americans. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do something about it, or because our our shared way of life here is under threat. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. If they would all have realized at the same time that the white people are an existential threat, like Holocaust-level threat, Nazi-level threat, and you can't ever, ever trust them, and not any tribe cut a separate separate deal because it's... The first one already. You got to get rid of... The very first one shows up, boom. Get rid of them. Wow. Never. Just like the moment they go on the beach, I don't care you could be the best person ever. You just have to die because millions of people depend on it. (laughs) That perspective. (laughs) That's interesting. (laughs) So so how do you see this whole journey? I mean, I understand the device. I still object. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the fantasy of uh, the bad thing that we actually did can we do a counterfactual please where I feel better about the bad thing that happened for, for my benefit so thank you Rutger. awesome as always and uh, I'll see you soon and I'll see- now you, you also you also pretty good thank you <laughs> and thank you everybody for listening that makes you also pretty good and the patrons are pretty pretty good pretty 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 good yeah thanks uh, so we'll see everybody uh, next time Bye.